both knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 423. Jason Lindgren is with me and James and Najla from Grounded Extracts, which have been in a past episode, which I should have looked up, but I'm pretty sure Rose is already texting me what episode that would be. When it gets here, I'll tell you. We're going to cover a few overarching topics. We're going to open with pharmacy detox iboga does everyone remember iboga i have heard so many stories about iboga it's the real it's the real deal we're going to be covering someone who walked away scot-free from suboxone and heroin i'm not even kidding you so we're going to talk about that to open uh then we're going to drift into some legal ideas based on things that jason and i have covered and then we're going to close out with what's going on in the hospitals and our guests firstborn and what they've done. So there it all is. Welcome, Jason. And a very hot good morning we have. All right. As suspected, Rose has told me that the first episode with Grounded Extracts was 379. Uh, I have received products. Rose has been very impressed with the products. It is good stuff. So welcome, James and Najla. Before you do anything, tell people where they can get a hold of you to get your incredible stuff that you guys make. Hey, thank you so much, Crow. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, so so grateful. So you can reach us at www.groundedextracts.com. And every Sunday morning and every Wednesday evening, I do, I'm do. i on a, a stream with Awesome Austin on YouTube uh, called The Mellow Dome. And we go further into what we're about to talk about in terms of the details and really helpful information. So give an overview. I mean, you sent me a box that had so many, this is basically herbal based things that are made by hand with care and it's quality, it's quality stuff. Yeah. And I'll let you address the iboga in any way you feel like it. Remember we are in hour one, we can talk about it, but I think you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. So let's jump in. When we first queued up, we'd done some ayahuasca shows and I'll be honest, I don't think for most people, ayahuasca is the right way to go just because we're Westerners and we're very good at getting high and partying. In my mind, the idea of ayahuasca is a spiritual endeavor and to be trained up or guided by a shaman, then I think you're starting to get into the realm. And a lot of people have a problem with that, but I'm sorry. That's, you know, I know about drugs as well as anybody knows about drugs. And so that's the way I feel about it. And then we queued up to do a show on Iboga and I did not know that much about it. I was aware of it. I ordered three books and I read them all and my jaw hung open the whole time. And I thought, is this the real deal? Um, even some of the clinical accounts, which imply this is the real deal. Since that time, it's the real deal. I mean, it is effing amazing what it has helped people get off. And here's before we jump in here, so many people, and, and I was one of them back in the day when I got out of the Marine Corps, they put me straight on opiates. I had to get myself off opiates, and that is not an easy thing. But here is the kick in the cojones. Typically, when people are addicted to opiates, some of the things they do is they put you on, what's, what's the drug I'm looking for, guys? Suboxone, methadone. And there you go. Suboxone and methadone. Here's, here's the real kick. It is easier to get off the first opiate you were on compared to the next two we just described. I even heard uh, within the clinical stuff I read about Aboga that some people easily got off Vicodin, things like that. But the other things with what they call a double half-life, 
it was hit and miss. But since then, I have heard people walked clean from one experience with Iboga from cigarettes, alcohol, heroin, Suboxone, and I know there are others. So anyhow, let's tell the world about a little thing called Iboga. All right. Ibogaine is, um, has been an incredible thing. And it's, it's, it gets looked at in one of two ways. It's either very helpful. And this is, this is my opinion of it, very helpful and has proven to be effective in my life and others' lives that I'm a part of. Um, and I've also seen it not work. And I've also um, heard a lot of horror stories um, from people. And I, I, after my ex- experimenting over the last six months, uh, the last four years, but especially the last six months, working with other people trying to get off um, the narcotics they're prescribed to or addicted to one way or another. Well, let me, let me jump in. So let's, let's set, you know, people are going to be hearing us say there's this amazing thing in the world. And I appreciate with all my heart that you pointed out both sides of that coin. Now, what I read in three books that I covered it on and the people that I've met since who are familiar with Iboga is if you choose to do this and you fight against it, you are in for one miserable ride. Yes. I have heard if you become part of the river, you have jumped in that it is one of the most amazing experiences, but everybody knows from back in the seventies, some people took LSD and said, wow, I can smell colors and you know, everything. And other people said, I will never touch that again. So let's be completely honest. If someone's going to do this. And by the way, I don't, I don't think it's legal in most of this country. Is it, is it legal to go anywhere and have a guide uh, walk you through an Iboga experience at this point? Not in America, but it is legal elsewhere for a hefty fee. Okay. So the point I would make is if you're one of these people that choose to use Iboga to try to get off something, do you agree with me, James? You need a guide. You need someone experienced to be with you. And from what I understand, this can go on for one to three days. 100%. You definitely need a sitter and you need to be in a clean, controlled environment um, with not a lot of noises or distractions. And what I opened with about it, there's horror stories attached and then and what you said was so was so perfect about that. Some people have bad trips, you know, and it's like, what, why, why is that? And so, from my experience and and just observing different people that do take a boga, some of them, and I can almost tell before they start their journey by demeanor, by their demeanor, by their where their minds at. What are they more focused on? Are they more focused on? on a temporary feeling like, yeah, they want to get clean, but what is their true? Are they willing to do anything? So if you're not at a point where you're not, where you're not willing to do anything, like you're comfortable with where you're at, stay there. In my opinion, that's where you're supposed to be. Now, the the times that it works for people is when people are ready to take it in terms of emotionally, which is spiritually you know, and mentally that's, it's all one and the same. Um, everything is quantified and split up so much nowadays, but, um, yeah, if you want it, it'll meet you there. And if you, and if you're just trying to get to take it, to get off drugs, I mean, it does the same thing for everyone, but it's going to freak you out if you're not ready, because it's going to start teaching you things about yourself that you need to work on. And if you get offended by that notion, then you're not there yet. And I'm not, and I used to say like, Iboga is not for some people. It literally won't work. It like chooses you or it doesn't. And I think that is true. 
but only to a certain extent, I think that someone could, you know, it might not work for them, but they're just not ready at that point in their journey. It doesn't mean they might not down the road, but it's not meant for you if your mindset is still on earthly material things. If you are still worried, worried about all of your addictions and how to, how to soothe them more than the treatment it, itself, then you're not trusting the treatment. And that's a big, um, a big thing for a boga. And it sounds crazy because we quantify everything into drugs and milligrams and everything. So let, let me jump in. Let's try to frame this up as well as we can. If you're going to, if you even consider what we're talking about, my first advice to you was go buy the two little thin books. I think I paid 10 bucks for one of them. It was almost nothing. Read the books. And one of them was written by one of the main proponents of what's typically called iboga, also called ibogaine. It is a plant. I accept at this point that it is a I want to say it's a consciousness, but maybe a better way to say it, it's a door to a consciousness. And when James was saying it picks you, there's clinical studies that show people were shown exactly what they needed to see. Some people described it as hyper real color monitors playing movies in a weird way, but not quite like that. Here's the big deal. When I first read it, I thought, yeah, right. It is claimed that for the people who are, say, on heroin that do a single experience and walk away clean on the other side without withdrawals, there's the big deal. Everybody who's ever had an addiction knows that, you know, you almost wish you were dead before you have to deal with coming down off some gnarly drug. I couldn't agree with you more, Crow. I, when I, I only took micro because of all my pregnancies, I haven't been able to do any, like, you know. And I, my thoughts and everything were just aligned for the first time. And I knew magic was real. I just knew magic was real. <laughs> and I ag agree with you that I believe that a boga is, is sentient. I think it's, it's. There's, yeah, it's definitely, it's like, almost like if you clipped a, a nail from, from the creator, I know it's a, it's a stretch. It's, it's far to say that, but, and then you ingested the nail clipping. Like that's kind of what I feel like there it's, there's something very, very special about it. When I first read that people would come off things like heroin scot-free, they described it. And the, the clinical people who had been doing this describe it as the brain of the person who was addicted had been reset to pre-addiction levels. So think about what I'm saying. Someone's been on heroin for 10 years. They do a single iboga experience. They walk away on the other side without cravings, with no coming off it, the withdrawal. And the description that is then proffered is that Iboga reset their brain to pre-addiction levels. That's great. And that that's what show you what a powerful detoxifier, if anything, you know, the ability to detox some someone off something that should be in their system for over a year can do it in less than a week. I think that's, that's, you know, that's something to be, uh, spoken about and something to be stuck up for, you know. How often have you seen someone use it or that you're aware of from what you've been told to put that in a safer direction? Did they have a terrible addiction problem of a drug that's seriously hard to get off that was not free and clear on the other side? Yeah, I have a couple different examples of people that I worked with. So my good friend now, uh, Mark Rowe, he was doing uh suboxone for nine years 
And after he heard the crow episode, he said it was meant to be. And he, and he knew he needed to reach out, um, reach out to me. And, um, we just started talking and, um, he reminded me of myself before I got off medication. I was like, this guy's intention is there. He, he has children and he wants to provide for his family without having to take this medication that chains you to your job because that's where you get your insurance to afford the medication because these medications, mine was $1,800 a month for one of them, just for the Suboxone. So it, it kind of ties you to your job. So, but he's, he was, my friend Mark was able to get time off work. So that, that was the most important thing for people like that. You already, a lot of people that take Ibogaine, they don't really have much to lose and there's not much to you know, you don't have to take time off work if you don't have a job. So he t- was able to take time off work, just the stars aligned. And um, he took it um, in March. He took it in March. And I first had him go from Suboxone to Kratom. All right. We need to, we need to tell people are not going to be aware of what Kratom is. Kratom is basically like an herb. It's the leaf of a bushy tree, or maybe it is even a tree. And so what it is, is uh, usually in capsules and it does a similar thing. It fills similar receptors in your brain to what maybe Vicodin or something would do, but you can get a mild addiction to the stuff and be careful. If you take it a lot, you can lose the minerals in your, you can lose uh, magnesium, phosphorus. There's certain things that it could deplete you of. It can, yeah. And it can flush you out. It does, it does, you know, make you want to drink water. And so, yeah, you're, you're flushing a lot of stuff out of you. That's why, you know, Kratom is my go-to. So you took him off the hard stuff. I didn't mean to interrupt, but you took him off the hard stuff and you got him on Kratom to help fill the gap. Yep. And so that worked for him. He said the first few days were rough, even like a week or two in, he had to take a, just a piece of one of the strips, like a, a tiny piece to help his legs from stop moving. And he wasn't sleeping for, you know, like a week at this point of the drug. Yeah. Okay. So then he, he, I just told him to hang in there and just keep taking the Kratom. And eventually he said, yeah, it just stopped after two weeks, uh, any type of withdrawals. And he was taking the Kratom the whole, the whole two weeks and he started to feel better. And then he started to, he said all the symptoms like constipation, nodding out pinned pupils. Um, it, it changes your bone structure and your face. So you look like a different person sunken in eyes. It jacks you up the drugs. Yeah. The suboxone. Yeah. Not the Kratom. So all of those symptoms started going away. Not even, he didn't even get to the aboga yet. He, he just got the Kratom and the constipation and all of that. Um, those horrible physical attributes dissipated. Did he sleep? Did the Kratom help? Because one of the worst thing about coming off doctor prescribed drugs that make you high is when you stop them, you can't sleep. And after about a week of that, people are losing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. If you can't sleep, you can't recharge your battery. When your laptop dies, it does need to be plugged back in. So he went like a week without sleeping, but then the Kratom Kratom kicked in and helped him sleep. Yeah, like he was barely feeling the Kratom, but it was helping the withdrawals a little bit for the first one or two weeks. Um, And then after that, it completely took care of the withdrawals. It's just about giving your body time to to release old infatuations and be then healed and then receptive to new methods. So it's like your body gets very like a like a meat being saturated, uh, 
Yeah, I guess saturated. Yeah, that's. I mean, you you've been you you've been imbued, saturated yeah. with these substances. So basically, we have an individual here that's been on hard prescribed drugs that almost nobody can get off by themselves. They switched off the hard drugs and went to kratom, which is basically an herb, if you want to call it that. It's actually the leaf of a tree. I think it's from Indonesia or somewhere in that area, or maybe Vietnam. I don't remember. So basically, it fills either the same or very similar receptors in your brain. And I know this works because I did it after the fact. But again, if you're on hard drugs and you get on kratom, you don't want to go monkey crazy. You don't want to do it. This is about moderation and you've got to get back to normal. The main idea is that you can sleep again. So this was the prep up for an individual who is sick and tired of being sick and tired because of dope. And he's queuing up for the Ibogaine. Yes. And this, I believe, is one of the most successful ways to do it from people that I've worked with and just talking to them about their experiences. So switching to the Kratom like I said, releases that hold because it's such a long half-life, the Suboxone and Methadone, anything long-acting, it releases that hold and it can work better with Kratom because it is just a leaf. People, I think it's it's a, a shame that people just call Kratom another opiate, All, although I understand why they do. And there's also not a lot of reputable Kratom companies that are selling their stuff in gas stations. But that's, yeah, that's not true. It is not an opiate. Right. It's, it's, and you know what? Like, we try to like quantify things. There's so much more than just an alkaloid that rubs up against your opiate mu receptors. It's part of its own makeup. I think, like, zooming in on a photo, we can analyze every little detail on that little zoom in, but we're still not getting the full picture or understanding what we're looking at fully. And I, I do think it's its own thing, you know? It's its own thing. And and that's a great way to propagandize it. You know, they can propagandize it by by just flooding the market with like trash Kratom uh, or diluted Kratom with actual opioids so it can get you hooked. And then they put out things online just calling it an opiate. You know, it's just another opiate. So I'm glad I do think people are coming around to it. So I, I just did a search and the top two pages are telling you that it's dangerous hazard, abuse potential, and these types of things is what's going on. And whenever I see the mainstream doing that, I say to myself, well, what's going on? They're also calling it a drug. But as far as I know, I don't think that's fair because I think, did the laws pass? I didn't pay attention. They were trying to classify it to get it illegal everywhere. But in some places, in many states, you can still get it. Yeah, definitely. They, they, they failed. They tried again this last year. I signed the petition. I don't think it's a drug if it's not classified and illegal, right? I don't think it's fair to call it a drug in the way that we use the word. Anyhow, we're getting off track. So the Kratom switched off the hard drugs. Here comes the Iboga. Yeah. So I told him, you've got to fast 24 to 36 hours. Um, like you got to fast your Kratom before you do the Iboga dose. You got to fast food. You got to fast everything. So he said that day was he went to work. He said it was a challenge, but by the the nighttime, he was going to wait until morning. He said what happened was his body, he finally fell asleep and he was like fighting withdrawal. And he was surprised the Suboxone was still in him. 
I wasn't. I told them the Kratom will be healing those Suboxone infested areas probably for a year, at least, at the very least. That's that's what I've heard. I've heard things like Suboxone with the double half-life. Um, they, if you manage to get off it by yourself, you'll be dealing minimally for a year with the after effects. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just like, oh, I can deal with the sweats. No, it changes your whole mind. You do feel like you're in hell. Just just your perspective on everything is, a, is in a very dark setting. So he did the fast. Then I told him to set alarms for each of his doses. And um, he had a sitter and everything. So she helped him as well. He um, did it exactly. At, he, he told me he did it exactly as it was as it was laid out for him. You know, all the doses were laid out. And I think people that do that for people are, that's the way to do it. So you're not just handing someone a fistful of powder and being like, yeah. Let me interrupt again. You you don't do stuff like this without a seasoned professional involved and they are around. Right. You may not be doing this in the US or I don't know what you're going to do, but the point is you need someone who's experienced. This is not a thing just to willy nilly. No, this, this needs to be taken very seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, it won't take you seriously. That doesn't sound for uh, like a big deal for people that have done it and didn't get good results. But if you are committed to working on yourself, it the whole world will open up to you and it can take you like there's stories about time travel and all these things. And a lot of people that aren't ready or their, their body is filled with too many toxins, they can't receive it. And it, and it just says you're not ready. Emotional things too, though, in, in the clinical studies, people who, who were suffering from emotional trauma walked away better on the other side. Yes. I, I helped someone with, with, we can talk about another story after this that's like that. So he, he uh, set his alarms. He took it as he was supposed to. And he said immediately, immediately, like he, his body, he fell asleep, but he wasn't asleep in his mind. And like I explained, a screen in my last episode, uh, a screen that looks like a, a regular TV screen starts scrolling through your, uh, past your, your eyes, but above your eyes, like right up a line with where your third eye, your pineal gland would be. So he said the screen came down and it was scrolling and he was going through old memories and, and it goes so quickly and it's so informational and so instructive. You don't really get a chance to get caught up in the moment or be emotional about it. Um, so I think that's really beneficial too, because you just want to, you want to gain understanding and, and how to apply things in your life. Not necessarily people think that they're just going to look back and just be really upset because they have to review things, but it's, it's really different than that. It's very productive and it doesn't give you a second to pause. So, because there's so much coming. Um, so the screens were scrolling, he's seeing all that. And then he said the video changed and the screen kind of got bigger and closer and it was in a jungle. All of a sudden this, what was on the screen was just like a jungle. And then a Bwiti tribe member is the way he described it. And Bwiti is the tribe that Ibogaine grows near. So the Bwiti people, one of them came in for, like into view. He was off camera and then he walked into, into frame and he looked like breaking this fourth wall. It, it was like that. Like he looked through the screen and caught eyes with him. Like they met eyes. And then the guy quickly walked away and 
Another Bwiti tribe member came, did the same thing. And then a woman uh, Bwiti tribe member came by, looked in. And then after six or seven people um, came by and looked in, like a main, a main Bwiti member that looked like a chief or something came in and they were all in the frame. And he walked up, up to the screen and he nodded. And, and, and he said, at that moment, I felt like I was accepted, like they chose me. Like, and so at that moment, he, um, he's completely gone. He's just in his bed, but this is what's going on in his head um, or wherever he is. Um, so all of a sudden, he just ended up on a boat. And then the boat was taking him to this jungle area. And um, he, went, he went in there and he has detailed, detailed accounts of weeks. Uh, uh, that he was there where the Buiti live just so everybody knows the Buiti tribe is pretty much asserted as the people who for however many millennium they've been around knew about the iboga used the iboga and probably taught most of the world what they know about the iboga if i've got that right a 100 percent. that's they that is their thing Buiti and iboga are almost one and the same so he he got off the bow and ended up in this jungle with them. And, and it's so funny because it's not just like a psychedelic trip where he's like, dude, I saw colors and I saw this and I saw that. It's a detailed account of a movie or a memory that is so detailed with such emotional ties. And I, and so I asked him, I said, but when you're in the dream, you're thinking logically, right? Or is it like a dream where you just go along with everything, even though it doesn't make sense. And then you wake up like confused about it. He said, no, 100%. He didn't even feel like he was on Ibogaine. He didn't know he was still on Ibogaine because it puts you in a sober mind. It takes you to these pockets of experience that you go through and, and, it, and you get to experience just incredible things. So we've given a pretty good view of some of the experience. And again, if you're interested, get the books because many people's experiences have been recorded and they're very similar to what I just heard, by the way. So let's, let's get, how long is he having the experience and what happens when it ends? Okay. So he's having the experience for four days. And so what happened when it ended, he woke up and this happens with a lot of people because you're not thinking you just took Ibogaine. Usually you're not you're not thinking you just took Ibogaine because you just spent weeks doing other things that had nothing to do with Ibogaine. So you almost have to be reminded of that you took Ibogaine. You know, you just had an experience because it's such a strong impression. It's so real feeling that your mind can confuse reality and what you just went through. It can, it's trying to pick which one you need to settle into right now. After Four days, you know, he woke up, he was, he was a little shaken. Um, and then, and he called me and he sounded so happy and so free. And, and his biggest thing was he missed his friends in the jungle and he hopes he gets to go back and meet them one day. And they taught him all about truth and propaganda. It's like detailed weeks accounts. We just didn't um, uh, breaking the chains addiction, Iboga edition of um, the Mellow Dome, Awesome Austin on YouTube. He has a very detailed account of this entire, this entire trip, but he hasn't taken Suboxone since then. He said he felt a little shaky the first week. Now he feels great. He, he's happy. He looks, it, it, it reminds me of myself after I did it four years ago. No withdrawal. No. I mean, I mean, so it took a little while to get back. What's stunning about your account, and I actually read a couple others, this is a man that took it seriously. 
He prepared for it. He planned it, which is almost like announcing to the universe, I'm doing this thing now. And look what he experienced. The very people at the root of why a Bible gain is even available to anyone uh, accepted him in his experience. And I don't care what people think. This is to me, this is like uh, ayahuasca. There's a consciousness. I don't know whether you call the plant the consciousness or the doorway to the consciousness, but it's about consciousness. And in all the Ibogaine stuff you can read over and over and over in clinical trials or what the closest you can get to a clinical trial because places have outlawed it, you will see that people say to a person, it showed me exactly what I needed to see, but come on, this guy's on suboxone. And so he has two bad weeks prepping, um, actually one bad week because not sleeping is torture. Then the Kratom helps him get some rest, at least while he's prepping and fasting. Then he does the Ibogaine a little longer than most of the ones I read. He does four days, comes out of it. He's shaky for a couple of days, but his whole life is renewed. And from what I've read, the way they describe this to a person is the brain has been reset to pre-addiction existence. Some people say it's a body and brain surgery without the scalpel. Some people say it's reshuffling a deck like a deck of cards, and then it puts it back in your brain. Um, I think it shakes the cobwebs off personally, and um, it kind of brings you back to that state, like you were saying earlier, of pre-addiction. And now it's also very important to mention uh, to opiate users that your pre-addiction state was very different than the state you've been living in the past 10 years. So when you do come out of it, don't confuse your normal sensory perception that are not numb for the first time in a decade. Don't confuse that as withdrawals and then say it doesn't work and then go dive right back in. Like your body does have to readjust to the world now without that stuff. I began just kickstarts it, kicks the can extremely far down the road so you can you know, actually have a chance. After the Ibogaine experience, did he sleep every night? Yeah, he's been crushing. He's been sleeping. He's been eating. He's He looks great. He's full of life. His face full of color. Happy with his children. Keeping. He's just, he's a legend. And, and he would be my ideal person to talk to about that. Like someone like him, for sure, because their intentions were there. He, they, I said, what did you pray before you took the Iboga? He said, I, he said, I was trying to figure out what to pray. He said, and, it, and he just got so frustrated because he wanted to get it right. And he's like, I just don't want to take this shit anymore. That's all he said. And that's, that's all his intention was. And then it went on to show him things beyond his wildest dreams. He felt like he went on a vacation and it was a, but a, but a productive one. It wasn't just like ayahuasca. You hear a lot of different experiences and things, but the difference between the two largely is Yes, you can have like realizations on ayahuasca and mushrooms about like what you need to do or whatever. Nothing, nothing compares to the Tabernantha Boga. Nothing, because it prioritizes um, what you need to do and what is right for you. And it's so individualized. There's no one size fits all. And it's just, it's a miraculous thing. And I think the people that have the bad experiences are the people that don't want to better their life, at least not at this time. Not, uh, You know what I mean? So just so people who are interested in looking up and learning about this, I have no plans to do this, but uh, I'm so glad that I read the three books and I'm so glad that I met people who have done the experience. The complete name of the plant is Tabernanth Iboga, often referred to as Ibogaine. 
There are a couple different parts of the plants to get used. Actually, why don't you go ahead and break down what parts of the plant can be used and the difference? Sure, sure. To make ibogaine and stuff, they're using just the root, um, the bark of the root, and they're doing some spagyrics. They're alchemizing that into one or two different things. Usually, it'd be just the root bark itself is, is one thing. And then the two other things, which are would be ibogaine, two different versions. One is uh, total alkaloid. That's all of the alkaloids in, uh, in kind of a concentrated, concentrated um, form. Um, and it's not as powerful, though, as HCl. And that is hydrochloride, ibogaine, and that's really potent. So the difference, the difference is, is just that's the one isolated alkaloid that that is the main alkaloid, like the queen bee. It's like isolating the queen bee, basically. But no longer full spectrum, right? No longer full spectrum. So, so that's why that would mostly just be used for opiate addicts, but you then introduce the total alkaloid like halfway through the journey or, or pretty early in the first part of the journey, actually. So you are still, you still want the entire full spectrum makeup of it. So in the books that I read and two of them were far better. And one of them was written by one of the main proponents from back in the day, trying to get Ibogaine studied in this country and legalized, which clearly has not happened. There supposedly had come to be one overdose, which they couldn't prove one way or the other, but the system at hand wanted to say that the Ibogaine, are you aware of any overdose or deadly uh, interaction? No, but I ha- I do know a lot of deadly interactions I've had with opiates. Like there you go. it's funny because there's like several people listed as done, but they, you can't find any actual information on them and or what else they were doing. That's what I saw. It, it seemed like just a finger pointed with nothing to back it up. And 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 I get opiate addicts crow <laughs> like being like, yeah, but and I'm like, dude, you're doing heroin. Why are you? Why do you care about the? I don't know. And, and, you know, even my own brother, he's like, do you think God is okay with that? And I was like, uh, yeah, do you, <laughs> do you like, why are you asking that now? Shouldn't you have been asked that like 10 years ago? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think a lot of this is when someone's ready for things and they're serious, the universe seems to open up windows and doors for some people. Like look at who we were just describing the experience that we just described. You heard a podcast on the internet. And now he's free of a longstanding hardcore addiction. I think there's a lot of that to it. And I I buy into the idea that someone might not have the right state of mind and demeanor. I've known that since the mushroom and LSD days, which I lived through. It's all a very hard thing to describe. But at the end of the day, we are talking about a thing that is not a chemical made in a laboratory. It was made in the creation by the creator. That's what we're talking about. This is a plant that grows on earth because presumably the creator put it here. So in my mind, that makes it far different than a lot of other things we could talk about. But I think we've kind of put it out there again. There are good, very inexpensive books. Matter of fact, I'll bet you could find PDFs on archive.org. Look into Iboga if you have a reason and an interest. And if you want to know more, you know how to contact our guests. Let's keep moving down the road. By the way, let's just do a quick sum up. I am aware of iboga getting people off a number of opiates that are prescribed usually by pill the methadone which is supposedly very difficult to get off xanax alcoholism cigarettes 
And I think that's all I'm aware of. Are you aware of other things that have been successfully removed from a life? Um, that covers them. Depression would be the only other thing uh, not oh, listed. Yeah. So we did one uh, session with my friend uh, Christian, and he is a young guy, young 20s, um, just kind of, you know, completely awake and aware to everything that's going on. And I can't imagine being in my young 20s, you know, without a wife, without in th- while this is going on outside, you know, while the, the screws are tightening, as you'd say. Um, so he, he just wanted to know his purpose. And that's one thing. That's one thing that I kept hearing every time I did, I I talked to someone about this before they did it constantly talking that they don't know their purpose or they don't have a purpose. They're not sure what it is, blah, blah, blah. So, and essentially they're saying they don't know who they are. Your purpose is you, it, it, you are your purpose and, and just people will, how many people walking around saying they don't know who they are, you know, the, the level of amnesia that, that a lot of these drugs cause a spiritual amnesia is, um, is fascinating. And we pray over all of our products and I put so much good intentions. If I get upset or say something, I shouldn't, whatever, I have to re pray over my stuff. I, I keep it away from certain areas. I'm very intentional is my point. And I know that I'm not as efficient as a Pfizer lab. I know that because I can look around and see, like, I'm not, I can't, no, I can't produce a million tablets for you in eight hours. Like, you know, it's, it's, but so if they're that efficient and I'm at the level I'm at and efficient with what I'm doing, they're definitely doing the same thing because they're, they're even way more on top of this, way more experienced. And they know that in order to keep someone a customer, in order to keep someone addicted, you've got to sever that tie between them and the creator. You've got to at least dampen it and muddy it and make it gross. So it, so it just, you know, it kind of irks them, you know, and they can never really tap into it, which would then allow them to break free of it by their own power, you know? So were you about to imply that people who felt like they didn't know their purpose or why they were here experienced iboga and came out the other side having an idea of who they are and why they're here? So beyond just knowing exactly who they are, knowing exactly who they are. And sometimes what they're supposed to be doing just comes down to who they are. And then that falls in place. You know, I've heard that very thing expressed by people I know who have done ayahuasca. And back in the day when I was in the 70s and 80s, mushrooms. Mm. What I think the main difference is, is some people are just spiritually minded. And I think just because they're partying with everyone and they do mushrooms or some other hallucinogen, because they're so spiritually minded, they seem to gain more beneficial ideas. And the rest of us are just sitting around taking a trip without leaving the farm. I couldn't agree more. And it's, and that, that all goes into their astrology and, and it's, it's fast. Lord only knows. Yeah. Lord only knows it gets complicated quick. So let's jump, let's jump into the CBD oil and I'm reading some of the bullets here. I would like to actually try the CBD we're about to talk about for my sister-in-law who's had horrible asthma her whole life. So I'm going to actually try that and I'll report back, but let's jump in. It says here that one customer used the CBD oil and he'd been taking an albuterol inhaler for years and he's not needing that now. Yeah. And he was only taking like five drops, not full droppers, but like a, a fourth of a, of a one milliliter dropper top. 
So that's just a few drops on your tongue. And he said he didn't need the inhaler. He especially needed it when he went camping. And now he doesn't use it anymore um, ever since he started the CBD oil. So that's so cool. Um, it's side success, not side effects, you know, and that's, that's what you want. You want additional beneficial things you didn't even know you were aiming for, but Hey, you know, cause he was taking it for sleep and anxiety. I believe. Is this known, uh, is this known as, as something that can help asthma or is this just something that, you know, happened? I, it's just something that I know happened, but I, I, I definitely think that's that's a possibility for many people. It, I got to be careful with my words, but yeah, that's true. So what happened to me when I was taking care of my mother is she had a damaged meniscus on one of her knees and bear in mind, she's well into her eighties. By the time I come out here to take care of her, she's 84, 80, no 82. And so we go to this 70 something year old doctor to see her knees and he's saying, look, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, if I had a mother that was this age, I would not be doing surgery for this kind of a thing. It's just not worth what can happen and whether the recovery goes well. So I told him I appreciated. it. He goes, if you went to any other doctor, they would almost certainly have prescribed you Vicodin or something like it. Um, and he says, I can do that, but I'm telling you that I am against that. And I don't want to do that because the outcome will just be a falling outcome. You're not going to come out better than you went in. Then he said to me, and this was right when CBD was starting to get legal all over the country. All of a sudden, one day it was okay to have CBD. Yeah. He said, if I had my way, and he looked at me cautiously, <laughs> um, and he said, if I had my way, I would remove all the opiates from every old folks home in this country, and I would introduce CBDs. And so I could tell he was being cautious. I instantly said, hey, man, I've got CBDs in the house. And he launched right into it. He said, he told me now this thing that we're talking about that we don't want to operate on is completely manageable. And you want to know something? He was right. But here's my mom pure as the driven snow, and I'm scared to death. I'm going to put a THC product in her uh, under her tongue, and she's going to you know, take a trip to the moon. It didn't happen. <laughs> she was okay with it. And, and, and granted, I think it's 0.3 is the highest THC yeah. in, in most of the CBDs. But the, yeah. the point is, is if I take it, I can't take it. I spent the first 20 years of my existence high as a kite smoking lids back in the day. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I can't do it. And what's funny, my wife, my mom can all do the CBDs, even my sister. If I do it, I can't. It just makes the veil too thin and it's uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. But the point is, is it fixed the problem and pharmacopoeia didn't come into the picture. Can you imagine an 82 year old person being constipated and all the things, you know, deadened that comes with the opiates. But that's what I know of CBD oil. I can't imagine you're, you're on point. I, but I used to say that when I was younger, I had an innate knowing that at least I'm doing this now before I have a family and wife. I used to say that all the time because of how much it destroys your body. I can't imagine being in my eighties with the level of constipation, um, the, the body aching, the, that would, that would be um, absolutely horrible. That one thing alone, if your body is not cleaning the sewage out 
just everyone can work out what's happening to your body. And I don't think I've ever met anyone who wasn't hard on opiates that didn't have problems going to the bathroom. So then they get addicted to other things to help them to go to the bathroom. But anyhow, (laughs) um, is there anything particular that, that makes your CBD oil stand out the way you make it? So I, I make a CBD and a THC oil separately. Um, I do have bears uh, now that I'm on bear target times and stuff that have been growing it. So they'll send it to me. And then, so from seed to bottle, it's, you know, oh, wow. Bertarian made. So that's, that's pretty cool. That, that is cool. That guarantees that it's organic. Yes. I even had a friend in one part of the country, I won't mention, which was one going to be one of the legalization centers that was basically allowing warehouses to be filled with cannabis. The cops come in the front door, they count the plants, they get paid at the back door and they go on their merry way. But they had gone so far as to grow organic cannabis. But what was it? He told me so many weeks before the harvest, they stopped everything and did this certain thing to ensure that anything that could have possibly got in was flushed out of the plant. So to me, what you just said is a big deal. You know, the people that are growing it, that's a big deal. It's like no one who's growing your tomatoes, you know? It's it's completely different. Yeah. Grabbing things out the ground yourself, you realize, and it comes with this taste of freedom that is a, is a next level if you haven't done it before. When you pull your own food out of the ground, there is like, oh, I'm going to be good. Like food shortage, like there's food literally everywhere. All right. So, all right. I'm just going to wrap up. James, please tell everyone uh, where they can find James and Najla at Grounded Extracts. Yeah. Groundedextracts.com and uh, Awesome Austin on YouTube. That's that's the two best places to find me. And then Bertari at times, also Grounded Extracts. What are your bear names? Bear? My Okay. So my first bear name was Bright Eyed Bear because I like the band Bright Eyes and I have very optimistic outlook on things. But then Owen just calls me Grounded Extracts Bear. So that's my new name. It's just Grounded Extracts Bear. <laughs> and Najla Bear. You know, some of these communities, if we go where I think we're going, are going to end up mattering in a big way. But uh, we're going to come back. We're going to break for hour one. We're going to come back in a few minutes and queue up for hour two. The big deal here is I've seen the products. They're quality. As a matter of fact, my what, what what's the one you sent me? The berry one. Oh, Hawthorne and Billberry? Yeah. Like you take like a cough syrup almost. Yeah. What's that called again? Uh, the banjo or elderberry is elderberry. Yeah. So I had to tell my wife that's not for drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she loved it so much. I'm all, you're just supposed to do what you're supposed to do there. She's all, but it's so good. Dude, I, I do that too. I like literally will walk around holding a bottle of elderberry and banjo, just sipping it. It's kind of ridiculous, but it is. How much can you drink in a day? As much as you want? Uh, you don't want to go too far just because elderberry is a, is, um, uh, a toxin like at, at a certain level. So, but your, our bodies can handle it. A lot of other things can't, but you don't want to be drinking it all day that, you know, it does get to a point. So maybe not do more than half a bottle of either. So the main point here is this is quality stuff. We know it is, or we wouldn't be doing this. Please James and Najla log in uh, when this goes live and put all your links in comments near the top. Um, I'll email you when it's going. And it's a big deal. This, this idea of farm to wherever, that is a big deal. We live in a world where we have no ideas. As a matter of fact, I love oatmeal. 
And uh, for years, I ate Quaker oatmeal, not knowing that there were baby stem cells that were harvested in the 70s in the oatmeal I was eating back in the day. It's a big deal to know where these things come from. But I will be pinging you to get the CBD uh, oil off to my sister-in-law to see if it helps with her. And she's got high-level asthma. But there it is. There's hour one of episode 423 with Jason Lingren, James, and Najla from Grounded Extracts. You can get to hour two if you're a member at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W, 777radio.com. And lastly, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. We'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Belief is the enemy of knowing. Come.